The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke. The crowds got even bigger and Jesus addressed them. This is a wicked generation. It is asking for a sign. The only sign it will be given is the sign of Jonah. For just as Jonah became a sign to the Ninevites, so will the Son of Man be to this generation. On Judgment Day, the Queen of the South will rise up with the men of this generation and condemn them. Because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And there is something greater than Solomon here. On Judgment Day, the men of Nineveh will stand up with this generation and condemn it. Because when Jonah preached, they repented. And there is something greater than Jonah here. The Gospel of the Lord. Jonah is sent a second time. That means he was sent the first time, but he didn't go. He's not the most obedient of prophets. And in fact, even when his prophecy is delivered and has its effect, mercy is shown to those people, he's upset because he wanted it to come true. No, I said they'd be destroyed. He's, he's an obscure character. But the church puts Jonah in our vision today. The people believe and repent right from the lowest to the highest and back down to the lowest again. It, it's un, unknown who he preached to first. It could have been a group of children in the playground for all we know. But he comes and preaches this message and it says they believe, they put on sackcloth, the message went all the way to the king and then an official edict went back down to all the people so that even the animals fasted. It said no one is to eat, not a bit, until the Lord sees that we are actually serious about what we've heard. The urgency uh, of these people with their stirred conscience is really quite remarkable. The message of God brought them really into communion because they immediately became one in mind, one in heart. And as we heard in that psalm, it was a broken and contrite heart. And God delighted in their humility, their turning to him. The heart of misery collectively cried out to the heart of mercy. And communion was found not just on this plane, but vertically as well. Note these words, though, from the king, and they're beautiful words, and really, these kinds of words should enter into our prayer right alongside the surest hope that we have, because we do have a sure hope. We know that salvation is achieved. We know that God is good. We know that he's merciful. We know all those things. But right alongside that knowledge, listen to these words. Who knows if God will not change his mind and relent? Isn't that wonderful? It's wonderful not because it's anxious. God does not desire us to be fearful, anxious, doubtful. That's not what this is. It's the recognition that God is an other. God is not just me. God won't just do what I want. God isn't like some big machine that I can just punch the right numbers into and he'll perform the operation I asked for. God is free. I mean, if you and I are free, surely the God who made us is at least that free. So it begs the question, what does God desire? That's really the end of prayer. To come in communion with God's wishes. Not to make God in communion with our own so much. 
Today is the feast of St. Francis of Rome, beautiful saint of, of um, our antiquity. She was a wonderful servant of the poor. And as I look down to the congregation, I can see St. Vincentians here, Vincentians here from Yapun. Um, a wonderful servant of the poor, this woman. At the age of 13, she said, I know what God wants. He wants me to be a religious. Lo and behold, her father, at a time when probably the patriarchy was much heavier than it is today, said, you're not old enough to know God's will for you, but you are old enough to get married, so I'm marrying you off. And this was to her great distress. <clears throat> she spoke to her priest with great many tears, and the priest said, Francis, are you upset because you want to do God's will or because you want God to do your will? And she relented, she got married, but she pursued the impulse on her heart to be a servant of the poor, to be a woman very committed to prayer. She became a foundress of orders that are still uh, active today. Back to Jesus then in the gospel and the fact that he's not to be manipulated. He's not a machine, he's not a puppet. He's the master and we are the servants, even though he comes, as he says, to serve. The sign that he gives um, is his very self. In the same way that you and I are free, Jesus gives this sign of perfect freedom, of perfect love. It's a great injustice to make God something I can use, to approach God only so that my will can be uh, pursued. Jesus looks at this kind of distortion of the heart's desires, and he says very frankly, this is evil. That is to say, it's radically lacking in truth, in wisdom, in integrity, in goodness. It's, it's simply off. It's off the mark from the beginning. We see in Nineveh a, a radical dislodging of that disintegrity, a harmonizing of it. They come very, very promptly back in line with God. They set their eyes on him. They had 40 days. We have 38 left. Our sign of communion is here. That's where we gather with each other. That's where we gather with this merciful God down.